Welcome to Growing in Grace, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And now, here's the host of Growing in Grace, Mike Kapler and Joel Barizaki. Hey, welcome once again, Growing in Grace. I'm Mike, and Joel is with me. We're glad you're with us. Had a wonderful program last week talking about uh, some walls being broken down as far as uh, certain doctrines and, and mindsets that Christians often get into, oftentimes based on what we're taught. And I'm looking forward to getting into uh, tearing down some more of those walls and building some new ones. Uh, Joel, it's always good to be with you. And uh, the same here, Mike. You know, so- something that both you and I have been through, Mike, in our lifetimes, in our Christian lives, is like you said, we've broken, we've had some walls broken down, some theology, some doctrines, teachings that we've had been taught, and under perhaps a more legalistic setting. And then now we're uh, in the process. It, it's it's an ongoing lifetime process of reconstructing. Uh, our lives with with a good foundation of what the Bible really says, and so it's it's a good thing I think that we're uh, going through this process of trying to look at some things. Like last week we talked about you know rededication, uh, the whole idea of of falling from grace and what that really means. If if you uh, didn't catch that, you can go ahead and check it out at graceroots.org, and and we do uh, invite you to listen to some of our past programs. And so as we rebuild things. We're looking to the Bible to see what the Bible actually does say. And I think that sometimes scriptures are taken out of context a lot. Uh, I know uh, one thing we have in mind to, to talk about today, Mike, is anointing. Uh, people waiting for the anointing or people feeling that they have a special anointing or whatever, whereas you know the Bible says that we are anointed. As we get started on this, I think some of the problems come from the word anoint, the word anointed or anointing is used all over the Old Testament. And there were certain things that was anointed with oil, but there were also times when God anointed people for certain purposes. Now we're in the New Testament, the New Covenant. We're in a new covenant in which God has come to live in us. And so uh, we're just going to hopefully take a look at, at this word and maybe some other things in, in kind of a new covenant point of view. And uh, we'll see where things go. Well, Recently, I uh, went to the Grace Walk website and saw Steve talking about WWJD. Now, you see these WWJD bracelets everywhere, uh, maybe even T-shirts and everything else, I guess, bumper stickers, I don't know. What would Jesus do? And I always thought these were kind of cool. I mean, I, I did never had one myself. I guess I didn't really get caught up in the movement. You know, I thought anything that had Jesus on it, probably had to be good, you know, uh, getting people to think about Jesus. But uh, Steve brought up an interesting point. The very question, what would Jesus do, implies that he isn't here today. I mean, we're, we're suggesting that what would Jesus do if he were here on the earth today, when in fact we know from what the Scripture tells us he is, by his Spirit, on the earth today. Um, now, I know we, we picture Jesus the man what would he do if he were here today as the as a man? Maybe that's what people sometimes have in their mind when when they hear this question, what would Jesus do? But it still implies that Jesus isn't here, and he's as much here, even more so today, than uh, he was as a man on the earth, because he actually had some limitations, not not with the anointing, but he was a man wrapped up in a body, uh, limit, limited in that way yet uh, unlimited with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so in, in many ways, Jesus is, is very much more in, in, the, in the world today 
than he was as a man. But the, impl- the, the implication of that question, what would Jesus do, suggests that Jesus isn't here. At, at least uh, you could see where some people could interpret it that way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. And, uh, and also in an, another way that that phrase, I think, uh, misses the point, what would Jesus do? So, okay, let's uh, let's open up our Bibles. Let's look at the things that Jesus did. And so we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and not that this is entirely wrong, but sometimes we look at Jesus' life as an example for us to live by. And so, well, in this situation, Jesus did this. And so now when, when this situation arise, arises in our life, then we do the same thing. The thing about that is, again, it's not necessarily a bad thing but in different situations that were almost alike sometimes jesus did different things and so well which which way do we go the point is what jesus did the way that jesus lived his life was he said i look to what the father is doing and what the father is doing that's what i do and now in in our life in christ you know because jesus said i and the father are one and and now we are one with christ and we have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. And so instead of looking at exactly, you know, the same exact things that Jesus did, maybe he's doing something in our mind and in our life that's something different than maybe an example of when he interacted with a person or people in his, in, when he was alive and walk on the, walking on the earth. But rather, with him in us, we look to what he's doing now, and we can live our lives through that, through seeing what he's doing in us now, not necessarily looking at, uh, the things that he did, because he did say the things that I'm doing. Yep, you'll do these things, but he'll also do greater things. So we can't always rely on his examples as what we're supposed to do. But again, as as getting back to kind of what you were saying, he is in us. We're in him. And uh, right now he is alive and well in us. And we can look to him right now. What will Jesus do? Not what would Jesus do? <laughs> well, that's a that's a good one. What? <laughs> What will Jesus do? And, you know, based on each individual's interpretation of what they think the personality of Jesus was like while he was here on the earth is going to uh, help answer the question, what would Jesus do? It's, it's not really going to be cut and dried like you were saying, Joel, because everybody has a different interpretation of what Jesus is like and what he would do. Nobody could really predict what Jesus would do mm-hmm. in most situations. I, I have some blind friends who can't see, but I, I've never rubbed mud in their eye and spit on them. Uh, I've gone into <laughs> churches that have had bake sales and rummage sales, but I've never overturned their tables and called their church a den of thieves. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've never done any of that. So uh, what would Jesus do? I don't think anybody could really say in, a, in any given situation. But as as you wrapped up with there, Joel, he is here today by his spirit. And I don't know that most of us fully really comprehend that, the reality of that, the way that we we should or the way that we would like to, uh, myself included. Having said that, another little sacred cow, another little misleading doctrine or thought process that takes place with a lot of us Christians is either in song or in prayer. And, And I've been in some good, nice churches with good leadership and, and good-hearted people, good worship. Uh, they reach out. But, you know, sometimes you, you hear these songs like, we, we invite the Holy Spirit to come as if he isn't there. And, and I, I don't really understand that. But, again, it's one of those little things that you don't really think much about, uh, but uh, all of a sudden it, it just hits me between the eyes. How come we say that God is always with us, 
and, and, and his spirit lives in us even, has taken up a residence. And, and then yet uh, we pray or sing and ask him to come. That can be a confusing thing for people out there who are trying to put two and two together when it comes to their faith in Christ. Yeah, it really is something that has, uh, that I've paid a lot of attention to. Uh, just, you know, have, uh, friends who pray. We start off the prayer with, come, Father, or we invite your presence. Holy Spirit, you know, come upon us. And, and I'm thinking, well, where did he go? I mean, where was he? If he's, if, you know, if we're inviting him in, then, uh, you mean, are you telling me that that part of our lives that we just lived uh, between uh, now and the last time we prayed, he wasn't with us? You know, where did he go? When did he come at a certain time and then he left or what? I mean, we're, we're kind of being silly with this, but yet I think it really does take away from the truth that Christ is in us. God is with us all the time. He said he'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. And in fact, First uh, Corinthians six seventeen says that whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So it's not like he's going anywhere. And it's not like he's letting us go anywhere. Maybe in our minds we feel as if he's gone, but that misses the point of the gospel too, because in our minds, as we renew our minds daily in the Lord Jesus Christ, I think we should always keep in mind the truth that he is always with us. Yeah, it's almost like sometimes we, we get on the telephone or a walkie-talkie, a CB radio, and say, all right, uh, come in, Lord, uh, come in. <laughs> um, uh, and then when we're done, you know, hey, amen is like uh, 10-4 over and out. Yeah. And and then we're, we're off on our own until we uh, try to get them back onto our frequency again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so where where is he going? <laughs> that's that's really what what I want to know. Hey, but the truth is, he's he's with us. We have his presence with us all the time. There's never a time that he's not present. We don't need to invite him, uh, but rather we just acknowledge. We could perhaps acknowledge when we're in a group with of people, perhaps acknowledge his presence. You know, perhaps we could do that, but. Uh, to invite him to come when he's already there is is kind of missing the point. Uh, and and I, I mentioned at the beginning uh, we're uh, running short on time here. Maybe we'll talk about the anointing a little this time. Maybe next time. I'm not sure. It depends on how much we get in here. But the Bible says in Christ we have an anointing. First John 2:20 says you have an anointing from the Holy One. Second Corinthians one twenty one says, Now he who establishes us with, with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. And he who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. I know a lot of people in this in my Christian circle of friends, it's it's as if they're seeking some sort of anointing. They're waiting for something to happen. And without this so called anointing happening in their lives, this manifestation perhaps they feel as if something is missing. And this is a message that I really try to get out to people, that we have an anointing. God has anointed us. He anointed Christ, and Christ went and did his work on the earth. Again, looking at what the Father did and doing the same thing in obedience. And in our lives, God has anointed us with Christ in us, and we're not looking for some special anointing. And I think that if we're looking for something that we already have, Mike, you've said this a lot, and I think I have too. Just a lot of times Christians, we ask God for what he's already given us. We already have this anointing, and so we need to go forward every day in confidence knowing that we are anointed in God. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't come and go. It's a part of your identity. Full time, you inherited it through Christ. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 1. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That, that word guarantee is powerful. He, he establishes us. Another word for establish in the original language was a, a confirmation. He's confirmed you in Christ. He has anointed you. It's already there through the Spirit who, who now lives in your heart. It doesn't come and go. Um, it, it's not a matter of getting on the walkie-talkie and trying to signal into the, the, the God frequency or anything like that. It, it, it's always there. And I think sometimes it, it's up to us as to how much we want to function with that anointing that God has already given to us, how, how receptive we are to it, and, and, and how obedient uh, we are to, to the voice of, of God, who is constantly uh, with us, dwelling in us, and, and longs for uh, that fellowship that we have access to now freely through Christ. And uh, just as we wrap up, I want to you know quickly say that none of this, what we're saying, it doesn't mean that God never manifests himself in big ways or in certain certain ways in our lives uh he he does do that but uh, i think the point that i i always uh, like to get across is that it's not that the people were seeking that manifestation it's that he came and he did it when when he wanted to and uh you just as i look read across the new testament i don't see people asking god for this or that manifestation he just simply does it when the time is right well hey uh, we got to wrap it up mike <laughs> i uh do appreciate um having you uh, to chat with uh, mike and uh, we appreciate our listeners being with us too if you want to get a hold of us you can check out graceroots.org You've been listening to Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Baruzaki, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. 